starting off the new year, there is no better time to refocus on our lives than in the new year. It's a great time right now to step back and refocus on our lives. And can I tell you, when I gave my life to Christ, I was 18 years old when I gave my life to Christ. And after I gave my life to Christ, I took a step back and started to refocus on every area in my life. What I needed to change, what I needed to fix, what I needed to stop doing, what I needed to to start doing. I had to look at everything. And one major area I had to refocus on was dating. I had just gotten out of a relationship, and the relationship did not honor God. And so now that I'm single, you know, brother don't want to be lonely for the rest of his life. And so I had to step back and refocus on who I was going to date, the kind of person I was going to date. What standards would I have? What were my non-negotiables? And and so I started coming up with those things. You know, I realized, one, I didn't want to date just to date. That the next person I dated was somebody that I could potentially marry, spend the rest of my life with. That I wanted to find somebody that had the same love and passion for Jesus that I did. That had the same standards that I had. Somebody that would want to have the same boundaries I had in regards to how, you know, physical we'd be and, and, and you know, things we wouldn't do and wouldn't do and all those things. And so I had, to, I had to step back and refocus on all of those things. Well, at that time, like I told you, I was 18 years old. And my wife, Jamie, she's three years younger than me. She was 15. And at that time, she was like my little sister. Like, you just can't date somebody you look at like your little sister so never once even thought about her or that she was even a potential candidate or or anything like that and so I I went off to college and I went to a bible college uh, to get training to be a minister and and while I was there you know there's some girls kind of talked to and like but never dated anybody never felt like I found someone that kind of met those new standards that I had set and so I came back from college and I I went to my home church and I was at service and and at a distance I saw this young lady and I was kind of like who is that you know and so I I, you know I kind of you know maneuvered my way around to kind of see who it was and it was Jamie I was like "Woo, little sister done grown up like shorty looking good like what like what happened so I literally, I had to take another step back and refocus. She was no longer little sister. She was marriage material. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden the Bible says the Lord will give you a new song. He gave me one by Biz Marquis. Oh, baby, you, you got what I need. And I, I was like, wow. I mean, not only was she fine, but she was divine. I mean, she loved Jesus. She was passionate about God. She was holy and a hottie. Come on, somebody. Like, I was getting excited here. I, look, I got the singles. I'm preaching. They, they're receiving it right now. They're like, preach it, Pastor Chris. I receive it. I remember seeing her. She was worshiping Jesus. I was worshiping too. Oh, I worship you, Lord. And you know what? If I didn't take a step back and refocus on some of my dating standards, I, I would have never even considered Jamie. I wouldn't even have had the opportunity. It probably would have led me to making some pretty poor decisions. You know, if I didn't step back, even refocus the way I perceived her, because again, as a little sister, you can't date your little sister. That's gross. You know what I mean? But changing my focus and realizing Man, she's grown up and she's now somebody out, man, that I would want to spend the rest of my life with. If I didn't step back and, and refocus on those things, it, man, it could have led me down the wrong path. And, and, and this isn't a, a dating sermon. I, I just want to point out that in life, 
It is always good to step back, take a look at everything, and refocus. And so today we're going to do that. We're going to refocus on us, ourselves, our actions, who we are. Is there anything in our life that could be hindering us from becoming a new you? And specifically us because, you know, at times we can be our worst enemy. At times we can be the barrier. We can be the thing that hinders and and hurts us and restricts us from growing or uh, experience life change that God wants us to speak. And so the title of my message today is this, Overcoming Self-Destruction. How can we step back, refocus to make sure we don't lead ourselves down a destructive path with our decisions or our lifestyle or things that, that we are going through? And in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, the Bible says, Then he, Jesus, said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple, live for me, serve me, follow me, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Part of becoming a new you is we must deny ourselves because, again, we can be our worst enemy. We can lead ourselves down a path of destruction. And so becoming a new you is we got to deny ourselves so we can avoid self-destruction. And so let's, let's refocus on our life. And today I want to share with you three areas in our life to overcome, to avoid self-destruction. Three areas in our life to overcome, to avoid self-destruction. The first area to overcome is denial. The first area to overcome is denial. This area of our life is where we ignore our issue. We, we, we know it's wrong, we know we have one, but we ignore it, we avoid it, and we won't admit that we have an issue. And the problem is, is that the, the Bible completely exposes this. First John chapter 1, verse 8. It says, if we claim we have no sin, no issue, no problem, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. If we say we don't have issues, if we say we have not sinned, we, man, we, we are lying. We, 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 are, we are not in reality. We don't know the truth. We are fooling ourselves. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has issues. We, we are not good. And the Bible makes this very clear. But when we are in denial, we ignore it. We ignore it. And here's what happens. We think God loves me. God accepts me, so I'm fine just the way I am. And that's almost true. God does love us. God does accept us. But we are not fine just the way we are. That's why he sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus to die for us because we're not fine just the way we are. We, we do have issues. We all have sin. And so God, out of his love, he sent his son Jesus to die because we all have sinned. And so we can't use his love as an excuse to be in denial. His love is a true testament that we are not good, that we all have issues. Every single one of us. And so this is why he died. He died so that he could help us go from denial to acceptance. Denial to acceptance. And when we make that shift, it's, it's humbling, but it's also very freeing. It's kind of like weight gain. 
When I know I'm not eating right and I'm eating bad things and I'm putting on unhealthy weight, when I'm doing that, I will avoid the scale at all costs. You know what I mean? I won't look at it. I won't stand next to it. There's no chance I'm accidentally going to even fall on it. You know what I mean? Like, as far as I'm concerned, there is just some weird metal object on my floor. I don't even know what it is. I will avoid it. And when I go to put on clothes, you better believe I'm finding the loose clothes. Wearing the baggy jeans, you know what I mean? Wearing the looser clothes. Because I want to ignore and avoid the fact. And if some of my clothes are too tight, you better believe it's not because I gained weight. It's because it got shrunk in the dryer. My wife, Jack, told her time and time again, babe, don't be shrinking my clothes. James like, nobody's shrinking your clothes. And we ignore it. We avoid it. We make excuses. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just big boned. I, I got big bones. And I ain't ever seen a skeleton with big bones. You know, or, oh, you know, I've been lifting weights. It's muscle. You know, muscle weighs more than fat. You know what I mean? It's muscle. Yeah, I've been lifting all right. I've been lifting cookies and cupcakes and ice cream. I've been lifting a lot. And we come up with excuses. And I can tell you, when we moved down here um, uh, to Oklahoma City, man, I, I started putting on some weight. Down south, sweet tea, fried food, eating good. And, but I was ignoring it. I was avoiding it. I wouldn't get on the scale, wouldn't come close to it. I was wearing, you know, looser clothes and making excuses and just ignoring it. And, you know, I then had to go in for a, a yearly physical. And so, when you know, when you go into the doctor's office, they force you to get on the scale. And even though I'm not, I'm not going to look. I'm not looking. I'll stand on that scale, but I'm not looking at it. I'm looking up to the sky. I worship you, Lord. I'm not looking at it. Well, for whatever reason, they had me on there for a little, like one second too long. And I looked down and saw the way. Y'all want to say bad words. I'm not even, like I was ready, like, I didn't say bad words. But I wanted to say some bad words. I was mad and frustrated. And look, here's what happened. I had avoided And I had ignored the issue so long that I got to an unhealthy place. And the same happens with sin. Same happens with our issues. We ignore it. We avoid it. And what happens, it just gets buried deeper and deeper and deeper until the point where we literally convince ourselves to believe we don't have an issue. There's not a problem. There's there's, there's not a struggle. And and we think that everything is, is good, but in reality, we're not. And, and through denial, we are wounding ourselves. Again, we think we're just fine the way we are, but our life's falling apart. And, and let me tell you, Jesus was wounded and died so we could stop wounding ourselves with denial. Jesus was wounded and died so we could stop wounding ourselves with denial and just accept I've sinned. I got issues. Here they are, Jesus. Help me change. That's why I came. That's why I died. So we have to move from denial to acceptance. And when we do that, when we step back, refocus, and we make that shift, we open up ourselves to become a new you. We open up ourselves to life change, and we avoid self-destruction. The second area to overcome to avoid self-destruction is our feelings. Second area to overcome is our feelings. This is where we do what feels right. Regardless of what God's word says, the Bible says. We ignore the truth. We live according to what feels right. We live by our feelings, which messes us up because Jesus said we must deny ourselves, and that includes denying our feelings. Jesus says, take up your cross. That means we should die to ourselves, die to our feelings, and live our lives according to his word, the Bible. 
See, when we live our life according to our feelings, we start to justify our actions by saying it feels right or it doesn't feel right. And that can lead to a dangerous place. Look at what the Bible says about this. Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. It says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, what feels right, what doesn't feel right, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit, honor God, obey God, faithfully serve God, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. By living according to our feelings, we harvest decay and death. Basically, we sabotage ourselves. We sabotage ourselves, and it leads to self-destruction. And so we got to step back and refocus. Because here's the deal. Living for God may not always feel right. After I gave my life to Christ, I had to make a decision to start, stop hanging out with some friends that still wanted to party and get drunk. And I knew that I needed to stop doing those things to honor God. And can I tell you, when I told those friends I wouldn't be hanging out with them anymore, that I wouldn't be partying with them anymore, it didn't feel good. It wasn't a feel-good conversation. Can I tell you, being alone, sitting at home now, because at that point I still hadn't really had any Christian friends, but I knew I couldn't be going out with my friends that were partying and all that stuff. Can I tell you that didn't feel good being home alone? Didn't feel good being by myself. Didn't feel good having friends not understanding. It didn't feel good having friends being mad at me, thinking I was judging them or condemning them, when all I was really trying to do was I just knew I needed to honor God with my life. It didn't feel good, but I knew it's what I needed to do to honor God. I can tell you something as simple as inviting a stranger to church doesn't always feel good. Like for me, a lot of times it feels awkward. I'm uncomfortable. Like my hands get sweating. I start sweating. My stomach starts turning in knots, and I don't know what to say, and I'm fumbling over words, and it doesn't doesn't always feel good or feel like I did it right or came out right, but yet I know I'm supposed to invite and try to help people come to know Christ. Can I tell you in my marriage, I don't feel like doing housework. But if I want my wife to be happy, you better believe I'll be getting my Mr. Clean on. I'll be working that vacuum cleaner. You know what I mean? Got a brother doing the dishes, folding some laundry. Happy wife, happy life. And fellas, I'd like to help you out here, all right? I've learned that my ability to clean is way sexier than my bald hair. Here's the deal. Abs, muscles, hair, and looks will fade away, but cleaning is always sexy. Can I get an amen from the ladies? (laughs) Feelings will get us in trouble. You know, on the flip side, when it comes to sin, Sin always feels good. It wouldn't happen if we didn't enjoy it. I didn't get drunk because I hated it. I got drunk because I loved the feeling. But here's the deal. Giving into our feelings, it's putting ourselves before God. And that will always hinder us from becoming a new you, from, from life change. So we've got to refocus. Well, I don't feel like working. I don't feel like listening to my boss. They don't know what they're talking about anyway. I should be the boss. and to Cut some corners. Don't listen and... Yeah, it may feel good getting away with some of that stuff, but it's not going to end good. It's not going to feel good when you get those famous words from Donald Trump, you're fired. It's not going to feel good. You know, having sex before marriage, I'm sure what you're doing is, it feels good, but it's not what God created it for. And it's easy, again, by our feelings to justify it. God knows my heart. You know, we're going to get married anyway, and 
We go off feelings, but God's word is very clear to, to wait till marriage. There's no blessing on going according to your feelings, but there's blessing on honoring and obeying and waiting. Honoring God, waiting for that uh, relationship and waiting, waiting to be married. There's, that's, that's what God wants to bless. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I don't feel like reporting all my taxes. I'm keeping my money. I shouldn't pay taxes anyway. And so I'm sure it feels good. You got that extra Christmas money. You got some extra money to go out to eat, go to the movies. But it's not going to feel good when you get a call from the IRS or a knock on the door. It's not going to feel good. You know what? I don't feel like going to church. I stayed up late and was watching this or was out doing that. And, you know, we got a lot to do today. And so I don't feel like going. I'll go next week. And, yeah, I'm sure the extra hour or two of sleep felt good. But, man, you're missing out on a blessing. You're missing out on hearing God's word, the truth, the truth that will set us free, that can heal us, restore us, change us. You're missing out on an opportunity to, to worship and for God to impact your life. See, feelings will get us in trouble. And so I, I want to help you. Following Jesus is about commitment and choice, not feelings. Following Jesus is about commitment and choice, not feelings. Can I tell you, when I went off to college, I didn't feel like staying at that college. I wasn't enjoying it. I didn't like it. I didn't like the city. It was too small. I had job opportunities to do what I love uh, in, in, in ministry. And so I didn't feel like what I felt like doing was leaving school and dropping out of school and just starting to work. That's what I felt like. That's what I wanted to do. But I knew that's not what God was calling me to do. And so I had to ignore my feelings. I had to choose to commit. I had to choose to commit to finishing school. And can I tell you, I had to go three more years. Didn't feel any better. Didn't enjoy it anymore. It was tough the whole time. It was a wrestle. It was a struggle. But I had to choose to commit. And I'm so thankful I I chose and I committed versus following my feelings. It, It led me to where I am today. I knew I was supposed to finish college. Can I tell you, there are times where I don't feel like forgiving people. Especially if you hurt my family or hurt me or somebody that's close to me. I don't feel like forgiving you. I don't want to forgive you. I, don't, I feel like you don't deserve forgiveness. I'm just being honest. Those are what my feelings are telling me. But I know that God's word says that I don't, if I don't forgive, God's not going to forgive me. And so I choose to commit, to forgive. Does it make forgiving any easier? No, it's still difficult. Do I still wrestle with the feelings? I do. But I've got to choose to commit. I want to honor God. And so, and so I'm going to do it. Can I tell you, attending church on a regular basis, I didn't feel like coming to church. I didn't, well, I, one of the big things was I felt unworthy. I had that feeling of feeling unworthy. The church that, uh, that I was even considering going to, there were people that judged me and condemned me and talked bad about me. I didn't feel like being around those people. I didn't feel like going to, those church, that going to that church, but I made up in my mind to choose and to commit, to attend. And Even though I wrestled some feelings, man, it was the best decision I ever made. In my life, we, we all have a battle with our feelings. And even the Apostle Paul, one of the most amazing men of God to walk the face of the earth, had a struggle with his feelings. In, in Romans 7, we read about it. I'm not going to read it for the, for the sake of time, but if you read Romans 7, you'll read Paul having this dialogue with himself where he says, the things I know I should be doing, I'm not doing. And the things that I know I should not be doing, I am doing. Why am I doing? Why am I doing the things that I shouldn't be doing? And why am I not doing? Uh, why am I not doing things I should? And vice versa. He was struggling, this wrestling, this back and forth. And look what he says in Romans seven, verse twenty-four through twenty-five. He says, "Oh, what a miserable person I am! 
Anybody ever, can anybody relate to that? I mean, I know I can. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he says, thank God. The answer is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm sure we can all relate to this. Relate to feeling unworthy. And the reality is, is we are unworthy. But that's where the beauty of Christ comes in. That Jesus' death made us worthy. Jesus' death was a stamp of saying, you are worthy. You have worth to me. I love you. Romans 8.1, it says, so there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross, giving you and I his stamp of approval. You're worthy. You're precious. I love you. I want to forgive you. We've got to remind ourselves of that. We've got to stop living by feelings. We have to choose and commit to following Jesus no matter what we are feeling. If Paul went off his feelings, he would have stopped right then and there. He would have been done. But Paul made a choice and a commitment to follow Christ. And God did amazing things through his life. Honoring God is not about feelings. It's about commitment and choice. When it's about feelings, it will block us and hinder us from becoming changed, becoming a new person. It'll lead to self-destruction. The third area we must overcome to avoid self-destruction is our busy schedule. Our busy schedule. This is where we are so busy with life, we don't make time for Jesus. Notice I said make time, not have time. A lot of times you say, well, I don't have time. We all have time. We're just not making time. In the busyness of life, we have to make it, we have to create it. And here's the deal, we make time for the things that are, are our priorities. And so we have to make Jesus a priority, make time for him. And let me say this, man, for some of you, this may be your first time in church ever. Or maybe for some of you, it's the first time in church in a long time. Can I encourage you, make time for God. It's worth it. Can I encourage you to make time for Jesus? Look, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on. You will not regret it if you will make time for him in your life. I promise he will change you and make you into a new person. He has a plan and a purpose of hope. He wants to do amazing things. And you will not regret making time for Jesus. See, there is nothing more important on the face of the earth than a relationship with Jesus. Nothing more important on the face of the earth, in a relationship with Jesus. So again, it's not have, it's make time, making time. And so again, as that scripture I read earlier, we have to deny ourselves. If we're going to be his disciples, we have to deny ourselves. And so that means we have to deny our schedules. We have to prohibit our schedules. That means we need to take Jesus and put him first before our work and family and, and, and jobs and busyness and hobbies and all that stuff. We have to put him first. So we got to step back refocus, look at your schedule. Maybe for some of you, Jesus is not on there at all. I'd encourage you to put him there. He's got a plan for you. Maybe for some of you, he's two or three. Or maybe he's six or seven. Step back, refocus, get him at number one, and then plan from there. See, everything in life should flow out of our relationship with God. Everything in life should flow out of the way I parent, the husband, the wife I am, who I am, the way I live, the co-worker that I am. Everything should flow out of that, out of his love and out of his direction. The instruction that the Bible and the word of God gives. God wants to be a part of our everyday life, to lead us how to be godly parents, godly spouses, godly co-workers. Because again, he has such an amazing and awesome plan for every single one of us. You know, in, in the Bible there's a story about Mary and Martha. 
And Jesus comes to visit them. And when Jesus comes, Martha, she's running around fixing this big dinner and working really, really hard. And the Bible says that Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he's teaching. And Martha gets upset. She gets frustrated. She's like, man, this just ain't going to get cleaned by themselves. What is she doing? Mary's not helping me. So she's getting frustrated. Mary's tripping. And, and so it's funny. In the scripture, she doesn't even say something to Mary. Like, Mary, hello, can you help me? No. She, like, says something to Jesus. She, like, snitches on Mary, like, right in front of Mary. You know what I mean? Like, Mary's sitting right there. She's like, Jesus, do you see Mary, how she's not helping me with any of this stuff? And listen to what Jesus says to her. He says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her what a slap in the face jesus martha martha there is only one thing in life worth being concerned about that is spending time with me the dishes, the dinner, the housework can the most important thing, the one thing you should be concerned with Spend a time with me. Lord, forgive me for all the times I'm worried about everything else except spending time with you. And look, I'm not saying we won't have busy schedules. Man, my son, Jace, he's five years old. He's in pre-K. He has homework every week. Every, like, I thought pre-K was like nap, snacks, and playtime. He has homework every week to do. He's already smarter than me. I'm like, what in the world? And my daughter, Callie, she's about to be two years old in March. Man, if you take your eyes off of her for two seconds, she has climbed up. She is standing on top of the dinner table doing her little Callie dance. <laughs> Smiling at you, shaking her little tush. I mean, life is busy and it's crazy. And, and the reality is it's not going to slow down. But in our schedules, the first thing we should make time for is Jesus. The first thing we should be concerned about is, is making time for Jesus. Praying, reading our Bible, worshiping. Man, we've got the two weeks of prayer and fasting, and it's going to be easy to say, I don't have time for that. We've got time slots for you to come and join us here at the church. Well, I don't have time. We have time. It's about making time, making it a priority. I encourage you to get involved with that. Man, fast. Man, skip a meal to pray or, or give up TV or whatever it may be. God wants to do something amazing in and through your life. Can I tell you, man make, man, make time for church attendance. One of the greatest decisions you can make in 2013 is faithful church attendance. You won't regret it, man. God wants to do awesome things in and through you. We got the new youth series coming up. We're adding a 6 p.m. We got all kinds of options for you to be in God's house worshiping and learning and growing. These things not being a priority will hinder life change. They will prevent us from becoming a new you causing us to self-destruct and so we got to step back refocus look at our schedule is jesus number one if he's not let's put him there and then plan the rest out then i promise you you won't regret it god will do something amazing in your life and so today that's my challenge step back refocus on your life are you in denial about anything step back refocus just accept it. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. We all have issues. Accept it and let God work through it. Our feelings controlling your life, hindering you from growing. Step back, refocus. Make a decision to commit and choose. To choose and commit to follow Jesus. Maybe it's the busy schedule. Step back, refocus. Look at your schedule. You have the time. Will you make the time? And I promise you if you do, It's going to change your life. It's going to open up the door for God to make you a new you.
to do all the amazing things he wants to do to lead you down a plan of hope, a future of hope, and all that he has for you. So let's step back and refocus.